Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast More Than Medical Students, the podcast that brings forward inspiring medical students and shares their journeys, the exciting projects they're part of and how this can also inspire you. My name is Marianne and I'm the host and creator of this podcast. You may know me from my Instagram page called Marianne Does Medicine where I share my day-to-day life as a medical student as well as tips for other students. We are medical students but we are all so much more than that. Join me in this podcast to celebrate our diversity, our uniqueness and what really makes us, us. Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of More Than Medical Students. I'm delighted to be joined today by Leah. Um, Hi Leah and welcome to the podcast. Do you want to introduce yourself to everyone who's listening? Hi, so thank you for having me. My name's Leah. I'm a fourth year medical student at the University of Sheffield and I also dabble in some content creation under the name of Wellness Medic where I talk about medical school, mental health, lifestyle, all those things. And I'm also the CEO of Future Frontline, a non-for-profit that works at supporting and inspiring the current and future generation of healthcare professionals. Also a few other things outside of that as well, including a cat mum of two. (laughs) Great, lots of things to talk about. And thank you for coming on today and joining me. It's really nice to have you on. We have lots to talk about. I think our listeners will be really interesting to hear. So do you want to tell us a bit about like your journey in like joining medicine? Like when did you realize you wanted to be a doctor and how was the journey to med school for you? Yeah, I feel like when I hear these stories in the past, there's always quite a early age. But for me, I guess it was the complete opposite. Um, when it came to deciding I wanted to study medicine, I guess it was quite late on. I'd kind of thought about it before in sort of year 11 after GCSEs and I did pick my A-levels with medicine in mind, but I'd never really thought, do I want to do this 100%? And I think a big part of that was just having no real experience with medicine or kind of knowing anyone in the field or anything like that. But it was something I knew I was interested in because I loved biology and I loved helping people and it kind of combined my two favourite things at the time. So I'd kind of thought about it for a while but didn't really feel confident enough to apply. My grades weren't stellar by any means, but I just thought, "Mm, you're not clever enough to do this. So didn't really consider medicine until my, I had a part-time job um, at a coffee shop that I used to work at at the weekends during A-levels. And one of my regular customers was an anaesthetist and it was just coming up to the topic of work experience and I was like okay like let's try and get in here because I saw him every week and he was just a lovely person I thought okay now's time to get this experience and I asked him in exchange for a free coffee I was very fortunate to get some work experience in the hospital and that was just really the moment for me where it kind of cemented how much I I wanted to do medicine I think and that kind of switched to not necessarily realize oh medicine's definitely what I wanted because I think it was there I think that was more the okay we've got to have the confidence to apply for this now like we've got to push ourselves to apply because I think as much as I was so interested in it in the past I'd never felt good enough or clever enough to consider applying so after kind of having that really great work experience I was like okay this is the right thing for me to do this is what I want to do is what I'm passionate about let's go for it that was like when I made my decision, I'd say around year 12 time. I was also very lucky. I was on a, it was called um, Realising Opportunities, but it's like a widening access scheme. 
um, which gives you like conditional offers and it gives you um, sort of lower, yes, yeah, lower grades to get into different courses at certain universities and you have to complete different things like an EPQ and other things like that. So that was a big part of it, again, that kind of gave me that little bit more hope because it gave me reduced offers for certain universities. And yeah, I made that decision. It was terrifying. So I was the only one at school that was applying for medicine. And you get those thoughts of, well, if I'm not the smartest kid and they're not applying to medicine, why am I applying to medicine? All those thoughts. But it turned out well in the end. And I'm, yeah, now in fourth year. <laughs> oh, yeah, that that's really great to hear. And thank you for talking about the confidence problem and the that you might have this imposter syndrome before you even started of like is this is this for me and so thank you for mentioning that and i hope a lot of people listening might um, be inspired by your journey and it's very important to talk about widening participation as well and what would you say to to people who maybe are in a similar situation to how you were like what would be your your advice to them yeah i'd say definitely do your research i think these schemes they can be quite confusing i used like a big kind of um like word document to kind of go through them all but you'd be surprised how much you can get from them. it's not just uh, medicine it can also be used for your fifth option it helps with things like i got a free ucat course through this opportunity and so definitely just do your research on it and also don't be ashamed about it and I say that just because from if I hold my hands up and be completely honest when I got my like my contextual offer which was substantially lower than the normal medicine grades I felt almost ashamed in the sense of well you couldn't get in on a normal basis and that's absolutely not true because they're the reason why these courses exist they're the reason why they give you these contextual offers and it's because of the sort of advantages and disadvantages of applying to medicine so just absolutely give yourself the best chance of, of getting in why wouldn't you yeah that's great and that's really important to talk about it definitely because like you said it's not that you couldn't get in through the normal way it's just other people have privileges i mean i know you know we're not taught to recognize our privilege and then if you don't have these privileges it's the best thing for you to join a program where you can be supported as you deserve to be supported that's really good to hear that and so you think the the program that, that you got on was worth it like it was yeah. yeah definitely and it was worth it for different things I mean we got to go to universities that were a bit further afield that might not have been able to get to for an open day or afford to get to for an open day I was able to do an EPQ which I didn't know about before and it kind of opened my eyes to that which was really good and yeah I mean I can say a lot of the universities so I applied to only the universities on that scheme so that at the time was like Sheffield, Birmingham, Hull, York and East Anglia and they all reduced their offers from free A's to ABB or Sheffield, which actually offered me free B's if I got an A for my EPQ. So that's quite substantially lower than the traditional offers that you'd get given for medicine. So definitely worth it. And they don't expect, it's not a lot of extra work for the gains that you get from it. So definitely. That's really good to hear. Right. Yeah, that's a, a really good tip. Thank you for sharing that. And how did you find med school once you arrived there? Like first year I don't know if it's you know non-clinical clinical Mm. in Sheffield or if it's just a more run through but how was that experience? Oh so intimidating I remember just (laughs) showing up on the first day in the lecture theatre and there was like 300 people or whatever it is 200 people and just feeling like just one it's such a different experience from school where you're used to being in or at least my experience my I was in a quite a small sixth form so I had maybe a class of like 
10 or 11 people and then a teacher that we saw every time that you knew on like a close basis and then all of a sudden you're thrown in you're just like one out of 200 and the learning is so different at university I think than from school and it's not as simple as if you're not sure on the spot you can stick your hand up and get like an hour with the teacher to go through at another point it's just a very different learning environment and I remember originally struggling I think with that adjustment and all of a sudden you go from just teaching in classrooms to lectures and dissection ours was pre-clinical but we did have um a gp like every other week for like half a day um so it was just very different styles of learning all of a sudden but it was so nice i guess to have that independence that came with that learning style and it was just a, it felt so different i think is the biggest thing in first year you just feel a lot of you need to take that time to adjust to it because it is such a massive change but it was just so cool to feel like oh actually like I am doing this along with everyone else like there's other students here on widening access there's non-widening access students that are all here together and just definitely just I know this is a bit off topic but just general advice I'd say don't, don't feel like you need to rush into studying when you first join university like have as much time to just relax and adjust as possible because it is draining <laughs> It definitely is. And I'm glad you're talking about it. Actually, I made, I think, one or two articles about this specifically on on my Notion page because I was really both overwhelmed and underwhelmed at the same time when I arrived Mm. at uni. It was such a strange feeling. And I've literally written articles like, how will you feel when you start uni? Like, how could you feel? Because, I mean, you could feel many different emotions. But I think I was overwhelmed by the amount of people and the amount of Mm. things that you had to do, like, you know, sort out paying your accommodation, making food for yourself and stuff. And underwhelmed by the fact that it wasn't like in the movies sort of thing. You know, university isn't a dream. It's real life and it can be boring day to day so I was expecting like you know this is a tv series kind of thing like you rock up in the (laughs) lecture theater and it wasn't like that so if you know if you're starting first year soon it's okay if you're feeling you know lots of different emotions when you start med school and you don't have to be super happy all the time because you know this Mm. is your dream and it's coming true so yeah it can be a bit of a, a challenging time the first year of med school but equally can be super cool and there's lots of opportunities to meet friends so yeah Yeah. you grow so much that year and Mm. I definitely I kind of say to people that I don't think that the first year is about how much knowledge you can gain of medicine it's how much knowledge you can gain of yourself because you change so much in that first year you become so independent it's a big change and it can feel quite lonely at times and sort of giving yourself time to adjust that is completely okay and taking that year to learn how your what your learning style is how to live independently like there's so many other things that are happening during that first year outside of medicine and I think the unis are definitely very aware of that yeah definitely I agree with you awesome um and how how was it after that at med school after the first year Mm. so that was when I think after the first year it started to slowly feel more like medicine I think a lot of people do say the first sort of year or two doesn't really feel like you're doing like the doctory stuff which I mean you know it's a five-year course for a reason yeah (laughs) it's yeah exactly the first year felt like that the second year for us was done on sort of a so the first year was systems-based um physiology and then the second year was like pathology so you started to learn a bit more about oh I learned about my first disease or something like that like and it's still but it still was very much that kind of lecture base but at that point you're building the basics of what you were going to take with you for the next three years so it felt a lot more 
I don't want to say relevant, but in comparison to first year, I felt like I was gaining the knowledge now that I was going to take with me um, and getting myself prepared for going into clinical years. But I remember at the time thinking that I really enjoyed preclinical years because I liked that kind of the structure and the lectures. And then I started clinical years in the placements that I enjoyed and I was like this is so much better than preclinical and I do understand why people disliked preclinical as much as they do because it does feel not what you signed up for in that sense but you need it (laughs) yeah you definitely need for sure yeah and um I know that on your social media you talk a lot about your mental health journey as well which is amazing so how at what point did mental health become something that you started to be aware of yeah I think that's a really good question really good way of phrasing it in the sense of um being aware of it because I think looking back now on reflection I'd had anxiety for years before coming to medical school I'd felt and I kind of touched on it earlier I hadn't felt worthy of being a medical student for years before applying coming to medical school but I don't think I really came aware of my mental health declining until I was in medical school um and it wasn't until sort of the first year was a bit sort of bumpy around exam season and I was like okay maybe this isn't the normal response to feel this level of worried and this level of sick all all the time and all those kind of anxiety symptoms that for the longest time I think before university I'd put down to and I'm sure we've all done it before or said it to someone oh she's just a worrier or that's just Leah for example and I think I'd done that for a long time and just put it down to me and my personality and just who I am whereas actually it took coming to university I think and someone else picking up on it and me kind of realizing that I couldn't be at this sort of state with this high level of anxiety and be on this high pressure course at the same time so I think that was the first time I reached out for help and then sort of from there I've always kind of had ups and downs and I got depression in sec I want to say no third year of university so just after it would have been 2020 I guess in the second Covid lockdown I think that was when I I got depression and it's very interesting I think that with a lot of these things that sort of I probably had depression before I became aware of it I probably had anxiety before I came aware of it but that shift to realizing it it doesn't help the situation doesn't help didn't help my anxiety or depression but it helped me realize more about my sense of self like actually this isn't just who I am and I have to get on with it this is a mental illness if that makes sense (laughs) yeah yeah definitely and thank you for for sharing that and I think I asked it in that way as well because you know everyone has mental health and Mm. some people might have ups and downs with their mental health and some people may have some uh, disease as well that you know then you can see your GP and get treatment for and that's like you said quite different to just being a bit of a stressy person so it's really interesting the way you explain also how you found out like became more aware about that and started you know started taking care of it I guess so so how how did that come into play like how did you start taking care of your mental health do you want to tell us a bit more about that as well yeah so I like I said during 2020 I was in my third year and I had exams in October they're originally meant to be my first set of OSCEs but due to Covid restrictions they changed it to an online summative exam um and that was still during very much during lockdown time so I wasn't able to see anyone around me any family or friends anything like that um I lived in quite a hostile environment as well at the time 
So I just wasn't able to relook really after myself. And that on top of the stress of exams was a very difficult time for me. But luckily got through the exams, passed my exams. Um, at that point, I'd lost a lot of weight through not really looking after myself. I hadn't been sleeping properly, just very clearly unwell. Um, and I had a meeting come through with my university. And it was that point they told me, oh, just to let you know, um, well done for passing your exams, but how do you think you could have performed better? And I think that really was the sort of the catalyst for the next kind of couple of months because I'd been able to feel confident in myself. Okay, I hadn't ranked high at all, but I'd been able to pass my exams and I'd been able to, even through this tough time that I knew I was going through, um, and then kind of turning to me in their first response, being, well, how could you do better? That really was the, the, the huge trigger for me. And then coming back after Christmas onto placement, I had that thought constantly in my mind of, you can't do this. You're good and good enough. Um, you you can't look after yourself. And it just got very bad and very dark um, in my head. My depression got a lot worse. I'd not, I wasn't taking at the time. I wasn't getting any support um, from my GP. I wasn't getting any sort of external support. So I was very much just kind of, well, this is just who I am and I clearly can't cope. Um, and that was the point where I realised that things needed to change and I wouldn't be able to do both at the same point. I, I, my mental health was too... My, my depression was too severe at the time and my anxiety was too severe at the time to be able to focus on look sorting that and getting into a routine with my mental health and be on a course like medicine at the same time. So that was when I was finally kind of... It came into discussion that I need to speak to the university because I just, I just wasn't well spoke to the university and it sort of came up about the chance of taking some time off called it a leave of absence and immediately I was like no absolutely not I'm not taking time out of university because that would just prove my point that I'm not capable that would just prove my point that I'm not good enough because I'm having to take time out and that's not what people do so originally I'd come to a like a compromise with them that I would take a couple of weeks off and then make that up later on in the year so I took about two and a half weeks off of what I've given, which I look back now and I just laugh at and think, how did I seriously think I was going to rapidly change my life during sort of two weeks? And we were still very much COVID restrictions. So I wasn't really able to see family or anyone I was still in the same environment. Um, so I went back, went back to uni for one day after that two weeks, went into placement and then I came back and my partner was living at the time in my bubble and I just broke down in tears. We'd meant to go on a nice walk after placement and I was so anxious thinking, I need to learn this, I need to learn that, I can't do it. And I just broke down in tears on that walk. And that was the point where I was like, okay, this, this isn't working. I need I need to do something about this. And I made that decision to take that leave of absence, which was going to run for about 10 months in total, which was terrifying because I think my immediate, my first response wasn't even necessarily, I've got time to sort out my mental health, now I can reach out to my GP, I can reach out to get support. It was, I've got to tell everyone. And that was really scary. But ultimately, that time off led me to be able to get, I, I started medication, I was able to get some therapy. And I did obviously speak to my family, but worked out 100% for the better in the end and I look back now and just feel like that was just a, such a small amount of my life that I was so worried to take for myself 
but at the time I was so just worried about more other people thought of me and me as a family member, me as a daughter, me as a partner, me as a medical student that I just hadn't really thought actually what about me how is this going to help me how's this going to affect me and it was definitely the best thing I could have done I wouldn't be a medical student if I hadn't taken that time off because I wouldn't have been able to cope thank you so much for sharing all that and I'm sorry you went through like a difficult time like that and I'm so glad that you took that time and be brave enough you know to ask Mm -hmm. for help to reach out to the university because usually that's the hardest step so and thank you again for sharing that because of course it's all very personal but I think a lot of people who might be in a similar situation to you will really be grateful for you saying this and for sharing this because they'll be able to to relate and maybe take the first step to getting help as well so thank you so much for sharing that that's okay Um, (laughs) and how did you approach those 10 months like how did you go about you know getting better and I think you mentioned you know reaching out to your GP and to people around you which is really important and how did mm-hmm. you yeah how did you get ready to say okay I have this goal in 10 months to go back to medical school but yeah. the most important goal is me so how, how did you go about that? Yeah it was really difficult because I think my brain was still so much in a you've taken this time off because you're not a good enough med student that originally I was like I'm gonna study every day and become really clever and go back and have a extra year's worth of knowledge and oh. <laughs> that just did did obviously didn't happen because I realized I just was not in the space for that so kind of had a big conversation with my partner and a lot of tears and that's absolutely okay to cry like I, I still cry all the time now but I was crying a lot and I realized actually this is what we need to sort out first we can't be like this all the time like it doesn't matter you can be the cleverest person in the room but I don't want to feel like this anymore and that was the big thing for me that actually there was way more important things so I'll be honest for that first month I would say that I had off I hardly did anything I caught up on my sleep and I slept so much I didn't set any alarms and I just got back into a healthy sleeping pattern I started saying yes to seeing my friends more I started seeing my partner going out with him and getting used to not feeling anxious about doing x y and z and at the time obviously I just started my um antidepressants as well so they were kicking in and I was just letting them sort of get into my system she can get some side effects to start with so that was literally my first month for me it was not very productive but I think that's what I needed that's what my body needed that's what I needed and then after that I started to do some I can't remember if it was IAPS but it was a one-to-one I had like six sessions. I think it was I upped through my GP, um, but it was more of a counselling type thing. And she was just lovely. And I realised that actually through those conversations I had with her, that it wasn't medicine that was... I think I'd spent so much time almost vitalising medicine for my mental health. But like, that's the reason. Whereas actually when I spoke to someone else about it, I realised it was so much more than that. And there was lots of different reasons for my anxiety and lots of different reasons for my depression. And that helped me make that switch to realise that actually this is on, sort of almost taking that ownership in the sense of being like, this is on me and this isn't on medicine and it hasn't caused this and that. It's other things in my life. So that was a big shift. And then I think after a couple of months, I kind of realised that I wanted to be in a better place to come back. And I felt a lot more ready to do that. I had just moved in with my partner. Um, so I had a good few spans of months still before I was going back and that's where I was making those changes to bring happiness so I started to look more into how I was studying 
originally. That was like my first thought because I was a note taker that just wrote loads of notes and didn't feel like I was gaining anything from it. But because that's what I'd done in A-levels, that's what I continued to do. And I was like, no, okay, we've got the time now. Let's work that out. Found a way that worked better for me, though I was getting more out of it in less time. And then worked on different hobbies. What do I like doing? What actually makes me happy? What brings me joy? And that was yoga. I really enjoyed doing yoga and I just made that part of my routine. And then also just realising that it wasn't going to just be a quick fix. I wasn't going to sort of be able to go back into med school and then feel 100% happy and this is the right thing and I'm a great med student and sort of take that time to realise that mindset and to get myself mentally prepared that I might not feel 100% happy when I go back or I might go back and realise I don't want to do medicine anymore and that's also okay. So I think there was a lot of self-reflection during that time but it was also a lot of happiness. I made sure I did so many things that weren't for medicine during that time off. I went on holiday, we got a cat. There was just so many other different life things that I was able to bring in during that time off to kind of bring myself back to a happy place and sort of look after my mental health better. So when I did go back, I felt like I had the tools in place that time as opposed to before where I was just denying how I felt for so long and just putting it down to my personality. I was able to actually separate things now and be like, this is who I am as a person these are all these good qualities I have these are the bad qualities I have but this is me this is the things I'm struggling with this is my anxiety and depression but this isn't on me this is my mental illness that I was struggling with and then also this is medicine and these are stresses that I get from medicine and just kind of being able to distinguish with a lot of what I spent in that time off and trying to learn more about who I was as a person and as opposed to this character that I'd almost put into my head about who I was and who I thought I was and which was so much negativity and taking that shift and separating that and realizing more it sounds cheesy realizing who I am but that was a big part of it for me and realizing that I'm not all the these negative things I'd put upon myself for the past couple of years um wow yes there's a lot a lot to say yeah it's very I love the way how you describe it because you're really you know working through it and giving yourself time but it all seems very mature so well done again like just so (laughs) and so much like introspection as well and being really honest with yourself which sometimes the thing that we we struggle with and I don't know exactly when but I know that at some point you started your amazing Instagram page to you know share a bit more about this mental health journey and uh, tips to help others take care of their mental health and well-being when when did that come about and why did you start yeah so I originally started it just coming off the back of my leave of absence originally it was just so I wasn't taking it very seriously in the sense that I think I was almost putting on a bit of a mask right at the beginning and showing, oh, here's all these things I do for my well-being and like I do yoga and I do reading and all this stuff, which I was doing, but definitely not. I was definitely showing a brighter side of things at the beginning. I think probably because I was too scared to admit what I wanted to talk about. And then sort of as it went on a little bit more and I, I started to kind of actually reflect and I was like do you know what actually what would I have really liked I would have liked to hear about someone that said do you know what I'm finding medicine really tough at the moment with my anxiety like I find that really difficult or just people just having an honest being honest about how they were feeling the good and the bad so that's when I kind of started posting more about actually I'm finding this really hard at the moment and my anxiety has been really terrible and I've had to take a day for my mental health and that was actually when I felt like I was able to do something good there because that's when I I think I got a message like thank you so much for talking about this and and I almost it was definitely a mutual thing because I felt like I was 
able to help other people and realize that they're not alone but at the same time I was learning very quickly that I also wasn't alone and there were other people that felt exactly how I did and that's always been such a big fuel for me with sort of wellness medic and it sounds silly like when I came up with the name it was a sense of I always wanted to put my my wellness and my well-being before medicine and that's why it was the way it was but it's always been that reminder to me that actually there is so much more to it and I, I love just talking about my mental health and why it should always be the most important thing and showing people that it is okay to cry it is okay to be unsure and have doubts and all those things great yeah and your page is is really great and awesome so i encourage everyone who's listening to go and check it out um yeah you have those uh, reels and other posts about lots of tips and your own experience as well so really interesting how is it being on Instagram as as a medic, like being a content creative? How has your experience of social media mm. been? It's predominantly good um, in the sense that you, for, for the most part, it's a really lovely community. Everyone kind of supports each other. You're able to sort of get advice from people and hopefully get your message out there. But obviously there are people that don't have the same opinion of you or what you should be doing. Um, I remember I did a post and I got picked up by UCAS about how I got onto medicine with reduced grades for the with the because I got three B's and then an A in my EPQ and that was the grades that I was given that was the offer and I got accepted on with those grades and I remember speaking about that and being honest about it in the hopes that I could help other people that had also had similar grades and the amount of hate I got was just so many people saying like I wouldn't want her to be my doctor like she's so stupid oh what God, no. it was so bad and then UCAS which I thought was so cool at the time so my account was quite small back then it, it kind of that post had done quite well on Instagram very positively UCAS wanted to share it and they ended up sharing it on Facebook and the Facebook mums and the Facebook trolls on that post I, I think it's still up now were just so that it was very much showed the competitiveness of medicine that I feel like we need to break down it was very much the kind of well my daughter got three A stars and, and does say million different things and she didn't get onto medicine so what's this girl doing here and the, it, it, oh, it yeah. highlighted the toxic I think there's a very there can be a very toxic culture and I understand that to to a certain extent of it is a very competitive thing to get onto and I feel sorry for people that did get grades much higher than me and didn't get in but unfortunately there is a lot more to medicine than the grades and yeah. the interview process was a huge part. I, I even got an email when I got accepted to say, look, you, I know we know you didn't reach the grades, but this is what we really liked from your interview and you stood out and that's why we want to give you the offer. And I think that was kind of what I, I guess that, that toxic competitive culture was something that I hadn't realised was as strong as it was until those posts happened. But now it's one of the things you can look back and laugh because I think a lot of it is just kind of people not being educated on widening participation or having their own grudges to hold. And that's fine for people to have those grudges. But yeah, I think that was the negative. But there's been way more positives that have outdone the negatives, way more positives. And it's a great environment and it's nice to connect because I know as a student, I was always quite intimidated of the doctors and feeling like, oh, I can't talk to them because they're so scary. But then <laughs> you come onto social media and it's like, actually, like even now, like we're having a conversation and you get that humanisation of medical professionals and medical students, which I think is so important. Yeah, definitely. And I think when you're talking about, you know, these kind of like negative comments that highlights even more the importance of what you're sharing, because clearly it shows mm -hmm. that people need to just chat more and understand more about 
you know, widening participation or, or other things. I know some people who have mental health accounts that get like negative comments as well. Mm. And that's, that's the whole point. We need to break down these, you know, people who have these wrong beliefs or that uphold the taboos about mental health. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. There is a issue. I have had a few comments in the past. People are like, well, I wouldn't want her to be my doctor because she's got depression or because she's got anxiety. I wouldn't want her to be my doctor. And I think that there needs to be this education that actually, and this separation that doctors are people as well. We're very much, yeah. when we're not, um, my, my dreams aren't to go into a hospital and then never leave and not have a life and sort of not to be a person anymore we're not a product we are people and I think that's a tricky thing sometimes for some people to appreciate and I understand it because in the sense that they want us to be capable of saving their lives or their family's lives but also there needs to be that shift of realizing we are also just we are average there's nothing we're not superheroes we we are average people that have to do this extraordinary job but we are still people and we are going to have mental illness physical illness and everything else <laughs> yeah that's totally right and uh, um that goes very well with the next question that i want to ask about what do you think more than medical students means to you because that's the theme of the podcast and actually it's one of the things that i always say in i always try to say in the episodes because sometimes when i say more than medical students people think it's like how many other labels can you collect like you know i'm also an entrepreneur or mm-hmm. i'm also a athlete which it's great, but it's not the point. I'm not saying, you know, you need to be a medical student and be amazing at other things as well, because being a medical student is already amazing in itself. But it's also about saying that I'm a medical student, but more importantly, I am myself. I'm a human. I'm so much more than that. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's absolutely brilliant um, having a podcast that focuses on things like being more than a medical student, because I do think you spend so much time and so much of your effort applying to medicine that sometimes it can feel like medicine has to be everything and it absolutely doesn't have to be everything and in my version of more than a medical student it would be finding your passions and finding yourself at the same time so like you said if if you're also an entrepreneur you're also an athlete and you're so passionate about that then that is amazing and that is exactly what you should be doing but if you are very passionate about reading or very passionate about getting out in nature and you're able to do that that is also amazing and I think it's just that reminder again that like being more than a medical student is meaning that you are a person and you are just as much a human and there is an equal balance there or if not more so of a balance towards yourself than there is medicine there is that reminder I think the more than medical student is the fact that you have to prioritize yourself you have you have to be more than a medical student because if you're just a medical student you're going to lose your happiness right yeah thank you so much for sharing that i definitely agree it's super important that we all kind of like stay ourselves and um, stay with our passions as well like you said great we're coming towards the end of the episode so i just want to ask you a few questions that i ask uh, people um towards the end the first question i want to ask you was what would you tell your 16 year old self i know it's a hard one um mm, it's a deep question it's emotional <laughs> i know so 16 or, or 18 year old self you know that sort of time where you know yeah you're about to become an adult you're not quite sure so what would be your your tip for young leah i think i would just say to her like it's okay to be unsure you don't have to have everything every single thing planned and as much as you really want you're so 
enthusiastic about having a career down a certain path like that is not the be all end all there's so many more important things in your life outside of your career and don't fret as much as you are because I used to fret so much about chemistry for example and actually realize there's so much more to you as a person and you're not just your grades and you should be so proud that you're making all these big decisions that you're not even taking you're acting like it's nothing when they're huge decisions and you should give yourself some credit for that and just be a bit more confident in yourself not just your academics or not just the image that you're portraying to people that everyone thinks you're really happy and everyone thinks that you're really confident like be proud of who you are with your flaws as well I think that's a big thing I'd say to her she was a bit self-conscious <laughs> no yeah I, I love that I love that yeah you're proud of yourself and also of your faults as well because that's part of you I love that um great and I don't really like the word role model but do you have people around you that inspire you or it can be a celebrity mm-hmm. or someone near you or yeah, I think in, with a lot of my role models and kind of people that inspire me, it comes from the people that I see around me. I take huge inspiration from them for different reasons. So my partner, for example, I take so much inspiration from him because he didn't go the traditional route into his dream job and he had to really work to get to where he wanted to be. And I think that also highlighted to me again that actually taking a year out wasn't that be all end all because so many people have so many different routes to be where they want to be and I'm so kind of, I take so much inspiration from him getting to that point that he's he's a primary school teacher, but he didn't go down the traditional route to get there. But he worked, then he worked out and he got there. And I take so, I, I'm just so proud of him for that. And it reminds me again that actually there's always a way, there's always a solution to get to where you want to be in your career and everything else. And also just my family in general, I, I take so much inspiration from how them and they seeing them go through tough times and come out of it stronger and my dad is a big inspiration of mine because he's always supported me and it reminded me that actually if he can support me I can support myself as well and but I definitely pick up inspiration and I get role models in the people that I see in my life that touch me in a certain way and that that sort of made me feel a certain way and that I felt supported by and yeah oh that's great yeah and if they're listening which I'm sure they are say hi to them yeah oh that's so (laughs) lovely to hear yeah amazing and do you have any resources to recommend to our listeners? It can be medical, or it can be wellness, or it can be anything like books or textbooks or podcasts. Or Yeah, no. So I guess medical-wise, Future Frontline, obviously. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, free. If you go onto our website, there's loads of different articles and blogs about everything from mental health to different careers in healthcare. There's so many different options outside of that. Outside of sort of on the wellness part, I really like there's an influencer, um, her name's Wholesome Mills on Instagram. And I just love her sort of her values and what she stands for and learning about she was the person that originally got me into yoga into and into kind of taking my mornings for myself and things like that. And I think she's great. And if you're looking to get some healthy habits in, into your life, but in a very non-preachy way, I think that is definitely the person that I'd recommend to check out. That sounds great. Yeah. Awesome. Did you have anything else that you wanted to share with the listeners uh, before we close the episode? Um, I would just say don't don't feel like you have to hide things in the sense of don't feel like you have to hide away from your mental health don't 
feel like it's a weakness because it's not a weakness. I, I had a conversation with someone the other day that was like, well, how could you do leadership and have anxiety? And that's it's a it's not a barrier it it makes it difficult but it, it's not a barrier you should always feel like you can reach for your dreams or your goals in life and not feel put back by your mental health and if you do feel like you're struggling to reach it because of your mental health then reach out for support and there's nothing to be ashamed about reaching out for support it's such a strength to do actually Thank you so much again. Episode has been really amazing and thank you for talking so openly about everything and sharing with us. Yeah, thank you again for coming. And do you want to just remind everyone where to find you? Absolutely. Um so you can find me mainly on Instagram. Um my tag is Wellness Medic. Um you can also find me on TikTok under Wellness Medic and my name Leah Brooks on LinkedIn. Great. <laughs> that's that's far as I've ventured so far. <laughs> Great, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much again. Have a good evening and looking forward to chatting again soon. Yes, you too. (laughs) Bye.